Um, okay, shh, everybody, so before we begin, uh, like usual, I think this week you've been going through a little bit of the missions every day, uh, so we're going to be doing the same today. So Kezi's going to take it away. Um, go ahead. How many of you have ever been stunned by a bee? Anybody? Yeah. When, I, have you ever heard of kill, Brazilian killer bees? It was an African strain that came in, and so at my property I had... I think maybe there are only 15 of us siblings. <laughs> and three of them were throwing rocks at a coconut tree that had a beehive to see if they had good aim. And around, underneath those coconut trees was a trampoline, and on the trampoline was the rest of the kids. And I was at the barn saddling up some horses, and my brothers had very good aim. And they began getting stunned by these bees that just attack, they're vicious, and they just keep going at you. And they're jumping up, and, and if you run, they only stop chasing you after about 400 meters. So they were jumping up and down, screaming at the top of their lungs. And my older brother took my youngest sister, who was the baby, and went all the way around to get her to safety up at the top buildings. And the rest of us went to the younger ones that are jumping up and down and throwing their arms, and the bees are getting more and more attention. And we tackled them to the ground, laid across them, but you can't just lay there nice and quietly with bees, hundreds and hundreds of them attacking you. Some had screeched and ran up to the house, and they jumped into the pool, and the bees waited. When they came up, they were at them. Other ones tried hosing them off. That didn't work. They were stuck in our hair, um, just all over us covered. My, I have a brother who's blind, and my brother had him. We were dragging them by then, trying to get away, hitting them with gunny sacks, going further, hitting them with gunny sacks. And um, my mom was making bread, and she wondered why we were abusing all the kids by jumping on them and swacking them, and they're screaming, and we just kept at it. <laughs> but she eventually came out with flour, and because she was making bread, and she dumped flour over the heads of everybody, and that smothered the bees, and they died. And my brother said, that was blind, said, how big was it? Because he couldn't, didn't know they were tiny and lots of them. He just knew that it was all over him. The point of that story is to say that you guys have been stunned by bees. And we were stunned by bees. There are bees all over the world. And I grew up in Brazil. You guys grew up in the US, some maybe in Brazil, some in Canada, where else? and the mission field is right there where we are. There are people all around us that need to hear what we have to say. And Kara is now gonna tell you about some people she's been steaming. I grew up in Brazil and I longed to, like my parents, be a missionary. I got my teaching degree and I went back to Brazil and I taught for one and a half years, thoroughly enjoyed it, but that wasn't what God wanted me to do. He took me away from the mission field, put me in a hospital. And I've been in the hospital for six years, and I kept asking him, Lord, why? Why are you taking me away from all the good things I could be doing and putting me in a hospital bed? He took away my voice for a long time. He took away my ability to move without help. He took almost everything away, and I've just been upright for the last three months. Before that, I was bedridden. 
And I found out that God wanted me to be telling people in the hospital about him. He gave me a mission field right where I was. I didn't need to go seeking it elsewhere. I didn't need to go finding other things to do. God took me away from that, and he placed me in the hospital, and he gave me a huge mission field right there. This one on now? Perfect. Um, thank Lord and both of you for sharing that. Um, and that ties in greatly with uh, our topic today. Our mission field, <laughs> we can get stung by bees anywhere in the world. It can be in our own backyard. Our mission field is right where we are. Am I able to walk around with this? Yeah. What's your name? Aiden. Aiden? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to go to school for? You ever think about that yet? Kind of. What do you want to be? Maybe something in statistics or computers. Something in statistics or computers? Hi. Hi. What's your name? Maddie. Maddie? Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? Something with horses. Something with horses? Yeah. That's amazing. That's really good. I'm going to work my way up here. Get ready. Hi, what's oh, your name? Hey, Jax. Jax, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know, maybe something sports, I don't know. Sports? Maybe, yeah. Awesome. No, that's good. That's good. Wonderful. Let's get a couple more. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Savannah. Savannah, what do you want to be when you grow up? A speech-language mythologist. Speech-language mythologist. That's excellent. Wonderful. I can't walk through the rows, so I'm going to try to walk through the rows. Hi, what's Hi. your name? James. James. You're from Richmond Hill? Yep. Okay, good. I thought so. What, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? An NBA player. An NBA player. <laughs> Is he any good? No. Okay. No. <laughs> what, what, what do you actually want to be when you grow up? Um, probably something in construction. Something in construction. Give me a high five, man. I build highways and roadways. That's awesome. It's a rough job. Wonderful. That's awesome. Before we begin, let's have a prayer. Father in heaven, you are so good. Lord, you are so holy. You are righteous. You demand perfection. You demand all that which is truth. And yet, the fallen creation, mankind, Lord, we seek you only because of Jesus Christ and because you sought us out. You convicted us. Lord, we cannot thank you enough for this amazing love and the blood of Jesus Christ, for he is worthy. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be in this room this hour. Father, we pray for conviction. We pray for direction. We pray for a call to act. And not just act out in any way, but according to the authority of your word. Lord, you commanded to go. This is not an option for us, Lord God. And yet we even heard we can go in our own homes, in our own backyards. So we pray, Lord, that your spirit would be with us, convict us, and teach us, Lord, your ways and the path to holiness. We thank you so much for our Lord and Savior who died for the sins of the world. In his name we pray, amen. Wonderful, great. So, it's Friday. I'm excited. Um, you guys did, you, you did very, very well. 
last night. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. That was really, really good. Uh, we had a great evening. We had a wonderful sermon. Uh, I want to share a little bit about myself. Many of you probably don't know me. My name is Samuel Klomp. I'm from the Windsor Congregation. Um, I have a beautiful wife, and I have two beautiful children and one on the way. God is good. God is very good. Not saying that every day is easy, because they are not, in fact. Um, I will tell you right now that the hardest year of my life was being a believer in Jesus Christ. The easiest year of my life was being a believer in Jesus Christ. Life has its ups and its downs. I am a minister in Windsor. I'm also the ICFG chairman for the ICFG, or the youth of our denomination. I care about all of you. I care about each and every one of you. In fact, look to your left and to your right. You see your friends, you see your peers. You see your family members. You see people that you may have had confrontation with. You are the future ministers. You are the future teachers. You are future mothers and fathers to children. You are the future church. That is a huge, huge calling. So, blossoming youth or dry bones. This presentation or this forum was taken from two different presentations that were done for the Apostolic Christian Foundation. Um, one in 2018, one this past year, uh, sorry, this year uh, in April, was it? Something like that, April or May. And basically, it's about you. It's about Generation Z. Who here has heard of the term Gen Z? Awesome! So I can go home now. This is great. You guys know everything. This is wonderful. Actually, I have some concerns. Not only I, but many other individuals, professionals, believers in Jesus Christ, those who are leading the church, have concerns. There's a major worldwide generational shift. What do I mean by that? I've been in my career, I guess you could say, for about 10 years or so. Eh, yeah, about 10 years. And what I've noticed is that the bosses, like the VPs, the managers, those who are all 50, 60-ish, they're all retiring. They're all going home and whatever they're doing, you know, going down south and they're boating and fishing and whatever else they're doing. The younger ones now, those my age and a little older, are going into managerial positions. They're going into VP positions, they're directors, they're leading companies. We can see this in church, right? We can see young ministers now are coming into the ministry. The elders, some of them are retiring. We can see some younger elders now are coming in. There's a generational shift. You are all a part of it. I'm a part of it. So, that's number one. Number two... We're going to be looking at this great concern of the spirituality of Generation Z that we have in front of you. you. You guys, and not just you, but many, many people around the world. And we're actually going to talk about how many of your demographic there are in the world, okay? Then we're going to go through the call and this major call to living a holy, sanctified life. So here's a little agenda for those who are a little more um, organized. The past generation, who here has heard of the millennials? Everybody, we beat it like a dead horse, right? Everybody was like, there's, there's YouTube clips on it. There's this, that, and the other thing. I'm a millennial. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit. We're also going to get into the full exposure of your peers, of who you hang around with, your, the, your, your peers at school, your peers at church, the global Generation Z, what they 
um, what their characteristics are, what their morality is. And we're going to look into that. Then we're going to look at the disconnect. We're going to see this disconnect from the generation and of, from the other generations. There's a major disconnect. We're going to go through that. Then we're going to look at the concern. And lastly, get into the call. And what is that call? So, the past generation, millennials, these people were born, and hang on tight, focus, there's going to be a lot of statistics up front. I ask you just to, to take them in, digest them, follow them. These people were born 1981 to 1996. I was born in 88, so I'm a part of that. As of late 2016, the millennials were the largest generation in the workforce by 35%. So those people who were working, they were the largest generation. No longer, everybody's sort of the baby boomers, right? Our grandparents or our parents or everything like that. So those people were no longer the largest generation. They're actually retiring or they're dying, okay? So now they're shrinking. So the millennials, as of 2016, were the largest generation in the workforce. Mind you, just please note that. As of 2016, 15% of millennials were living in their parents' home. What else do we know about them? By the way, this is mainly from Pew Research or Barna Research. If anybody is interested, I have all the references. Um, please come and see me after. I wasn't able to kind of fit them in, plus it kind of looked ugly, so I didn't want to do that. So, um, facts. What else do we have? Approximately 26% of millennials are married. That's one out of four. Really weird. 91% um, of millennials expect to stay at their same... That's my daughter. Poor thing. She hears me yelling. Stay at their same job for less than three years. 91% of them expect to stay at the same job for three years. And you're probably looking at that saying, yeah, that's fine. The, when I did this for the adults, everyone, they're, they're blowing their minds. They're like, what on earth? Like, why would they do that? 35% of millennials are religiously unaffiliated. So if you take a look at that chart, it's kind of small, okay? I get it, you're far away. Um, but if you look at the generations through the years, the silent generation, the baby boomers, Gen X, the millennials, the unaffiliated, religiously unaffiliated, is growing and growing and growing and growing. That's a concern, is it not? Especially for believers, that's a concern. Especially for the culture at large. Okay, that's a little bit about them. Now, what about you? What about you? What are some characteristics or some um, uh, maybe moral uh, decisions or, or traits that you have? Let's look at this. So... Who was born between 1999 and 2015? So that's you. That's all of you. You're also known as the I generation or digital natives. So this is really, really interesting. My son's four. I gave this example in the other class as well. This generation is born with a smartphone. I wasn't. In fact, phones, when I was little, it was literally this massive box with an antenna and you could only call on it. You couldn't even text. And then through technological advancements and everything, and now we have the smartphone. So this generation, the smartphone was invented before this generation was even born, okay? My son, when he was two years old, he was on YouTube, okay? And he's, he was, uh, what was it, Blippi? Probably Blippi, I don't know, something like that. So you probably have no idea who Blippi is because you're not parents yet, but he's this guy that's making millions of dollars on YouTube to teach kids about stuff. So lucrative. Um, so anyways, he's on there, and he's showing these kids. So before... The, 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 the YouTube clip ended. You know that red dot that's at the end and you have like, what is it, recently played or, or um, what's the other category? Similar, similar videos or whatever, right? That's on the side. So before the video clip ended, he knew he was only allowed to watch one video. So before it ended, he clicked on the other one. And then I came in and I'm like, how are you only like 15, like you're only 10 minutes in or five minutes in? No, daddy, it's still going, it's still going. I said, yeah, it's still going, but you're watching a different video. The point of that is he's two years old. 
That, for me, that was mind-blowing because how on earth did he know that at two years old? So this is the second, you are the second largest generation this year in the USA. And I would also like to share, um, I did this a little bit after or before I was looking at some other uh, articles from Canada. Um, it's the same statistics in Canada as well. Second largest generation this year in the USA, passing millennials by uh, uh, a total of 69 million people. So your generation totals 69 million, approximately 69 million people in the USA. Worldwide, 2.52 billion people. That's your age in Generation Z. That's a lot of people. In fact, that's at 32% of the world's population. That's huge. Facts. You are the most diverse generation to date. 63% of this generation is white in, in, in uh, USA. 21% are Hispanics. 17% are blacks. And then the list goes on and on and on. Family. Family is no longer top priority. And again, this is not just within the church, okay? This is speaking United States wide. Family is no longer top priority in your generation's life. No longer. What is top priority is education and profession. That's top priority. Number two on the list is hobbies. What you want to do, how to have fun, how to enjoy your free time. That came up number two on the list. Number three, which literally came out of nowhere for these studies done in generations past, is gender and sexuality. This is the third most important thing in your generation's life. Gender and sexuality. Let's keep going. Now, these are some stats that we kind of went through, just overall stats. What about spirituality? And I'm going to ask you guys this because this is your generation. What do you think about spirituality in your generation? Anybody, throw up a hand. What do you think? Everybody Christians? Lacking. Lacking what though? Lacking Islam, lacking Christianity, lacking, lacking. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Christianity, okay. We're lacking a lot of zealousy. Okay, for, for Christianity or for for God, so for Christianity, right? So for a belief in Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Spiritual, not religious. Ha. Oh, spiritual, but not religious. Excellent. We're going to actually get into that. That's a, I think that's one of the slides, or a point in the slide. Yes, go ahead. Okay. So it doesn't make sense. So there's, there's a lot about this, this spiritual realm, like different things that are going on, but it kind of doesn't make sense is what you're saying? So there's no baseline? Is that what you're getting at? Ah, oh, it makes sense to them is what you're saying within their paradigm that they're living in. Okay. Okay. Really, really good. Really good. So it's what they've heard kind of that's made their, their reality. Excellent. Excellent. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. New Age Movement? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yes, very, very good. Okay, for the sake of time, let's, uh, let's go into this a little bit more. So, this generation in the United States, 34% has no religious affiliation. So, this wasn't really surprising to me because it's the same as the millennials. That really didn't change, okay? I don't know if you remember the stat from the previous page. It was 34%, same thing. 
37% say that it's not possible to know for sure if God is real. Okay, so a little over one in three. We don't really know if God is actually real. We don't know. This survey was done in 2016 by approximately 1,500 people um, within this generation, just to give us a little idea. Barna Research has a ton of articles on this. 13% identify as atheist, opposed to 6% for millennials. So I'm going to show you a slide um, next that's going to go into that a little bit more, just to give us a comparison of the generations um, with not believing in an almighty God. 49% claim that the church seems to reject science. So one in two. So half of you have considered this before and have thought about this, that yes, the church at large rejects science. It's impossible to believe or to have the wisdom of man and, and go to church and, and have the Bible like it contradicts each other and it's just not working. Something's wrong there. 34% believe that lying is morally wrong. So one in three people of your generation believes that, yes, lying is actually morally wrong. That means two of those three people believe that it's okay to lie to get by. It's not morally wrong. So this is kind of small for me, so it's probably tiny for you. So if we look at this on the right, U.S. Religious Identity 2018, and we talked a lot about uh, we're spiritual, we're just not religious, okay? So we can see here that the blue, which is kind of hard to see, but it's near the bottom. There's purple, then blue, but blue is atheist. And we can see that through the generations, it was at six for our elders. Boomers were around 5%. And again, this is just the statistics taken from Barna. 6%, 7 and now we jump to a 13%. So we more than doubled here, just for, just for uh, specifically regarding atheism. Um, Church is not relevant to me anymore. That's at 60%. So that jumped greatly, um, even from taking in totality of Christians at large, all generations. And the list goes on. We have a, a you know, I think church is out of date, 20%. Rituals of the church are empty is a 12%, so on and so forth. Okay? Let's keep moving on this one. Here we have that lying is morally wrong. So 34%. The previous generation, my generation, that was approximately 42. So one in two instead of, instead of one in three. So we can see this, um, this, this, this circular um, or, or maybe this di downward spiral trend that's kind of happening here. Abortion is wrong. That, I think that number was 28%. Um, for some reason, it didn't get in on the slide. Marriage uh, should be a lifelong commitment. Thankfully, I guess that boosted 1%, but it's at 38, um, so on and so forth. So you can see uh, homosexual behavior is morally wrong, 20%. 20%. So one out of five of your generation believes that homosexual behavior is morally wrong. One in five. Now, that's a little bit about the spirituality. I wanted to get deeper though, because not deeper, I wanted to take another, I guess, put, a, put another lens on and take a look at it a little differently. I'm gonna stay back here. Um, so we looked, at, we looked at moral traits, we looked at some other figures and some numbers. I wanna get into the characteristics, because characteristics usually um, not to get into sociology and everything, but usually it's a product a lot of the culture at large, the influences, uh, what's been going on, and what do we see from this generation? And I want you to consider this because this is you guys, okay? This is who you are. The always-on generation. So an av on average, this generation, you guys, uses screens about 40 hours a week. This is outside of work. Okay, so for some of you, maybe who have summer jobs and you're in front of screens all day, this is outside of work. Does this kind of sound right? 
about 40 hours, maybe. If you think about it, I don't know, uh, the, uh, the iPhones have, uh, you know, how long or whatever, screen time and all that stuff. Um, the majority of, of the people in this generation believe that, yeah, it, the screen time is just right. It's not too little. It's not too much. It's just right. It's just right. Favorite website's YouTube. Who can attest to that? Anybody? Yeah? So anybody know what the previous generation's favorite website was, the millennials? Facebook? Okay. Any other ones? MySpace? Ooh, that's really old. But yeah, I had MySpace that once. It was Amazon. Amazon. Pretty crazy, eh? So what's so interesting, and I want us to consider this, the pre my generation is all about consuming, sitting back, relaxing, consuming. I want, I want, I want. Your generation is totally different. It flipped. It's all about creating. It's about building. It's about doing. That's who you are, according to these characteristics, okay? Number two, the entrepreneurial generation. 61% of this generation would rather be an entrepreneur than an employee when they graduate. Has anybody thought of that in here? Yeah. So there's this guy, there's a sick, was a 14-year-old guy, um, and you would probably know better than I would, but he started this YouTube channel and he uh, repurposes or, or I guess recycles old Air Jordans and like fixes up shoes and he sells them for like five, seven hundred bucks or whatever. And he literally, like literally from the 70s and he fixes them all up. He's got his YouTube channel and he's making a killing, making good money. There's other guys that are doing other things like that. They're creating they're being entrepreneurs. 75% of teens want to convert their hobbies into jobs. They want to take their hobbies. Maybe it's like basketball and going into the NBA. They want to take their hobbies and they want to push it into their jobs. 72% of high school students want to start a business one day. And this stat was taking specifically a survey specifically um, with high school students. They want to start a business one day. Do you see a trend here? It's about doing. It's about creating. It's about building. What else do we have? 60, so the change generation. You are known as the change generation. 60% of this generation want to change the world. You want to do something big. It's no longer, like I said, it's no longer about consuming and about consumption, taking things in. It's about creating. It's about pushing out. Now, I was thinking about this. This could be many different reasons, right? So creating videos nowadays, I mean, you can create some pretty awesome videos with, what is it, Filmmaker Pro and like all this kind of film editing software. You got it on your phone. It's an app. You make videos with your, like on your iPhone or whatever else you have. And um, you can make some pretty awesome videos. It's pretty neat how that works. You got drones, you got everything else. Um, so it could be because technological advancements, right? We're, we're really doing quite a bit here. You can do a lot with that. But it also could be social media comparison. Pretty sure you guys had a forum on technology and maybe a little bit of social media was discussed there. I mean, naturally. Um, but it could be comparison, right? So you're checking out everybody else's highlight reel and you're comparing yourself among your peers or those who are your friends and you're saying, yeah, I got to do this because this person's doing this. And I'm, I do that too, right? I love different crafts. I love woodworking. I love blacksmithing. And what do I do? I go on YouTube and I see what this person's making. It's like, my goodness, like I got to change what I'm doing because like that's sweet. Mine's not. And it's like, so I got to change and I want to, I want to build something that's unique and different. It could also be because of the pop culture, right? So apparently the music industry is all, of, is all political. So, you know, they got different controversial topics that are now being put through songs and everything. 
Um, it's a little different now. And you, you're being influenced by that. You're being moved by that or um, changed, I guess. Uh, news. So news is now more op-eds. It's not really the news. It's the opinion of the editor, which is kind of interesting. And then you get into, well, what news broadcast are you watching? Because that depends. Are they left-wing? Are they right-wing? And what are they trying to promote? And it gets deep. So this generation, a changed generation, it could be influenced by many different factors. And these are just some of them that I thought to list. The eight-second filter generation. What do I mean by that? The options that you all have are limitless. You know as well as I do, if you need to find something, you can do it on your phone in 10 seconds and you can find the best deal um, and you can buy it and within a day it's shipped to your house and you got it and it's great, it's good, okay? You're able to sort through massive amounts of information quickly and it's not just because you, know, you have an attention disorder, it's because you have to, to keep up. You gotta do that, you gotta keep up. So you're just sifting, sifting through. You see other feeds, you see other posts. You're just going, 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 going. So your attention is shorter. Now, what I want to say is, there was also a, um, a survey done, or I guess a study done, regarding ADHD or attention deficit disorder. And they realized that your generation is actually far better and has less attention disorders than previous generations but yet you're sifting through vast amount of information so, so fast. So it's not a problem, um, a psychological problem or a disorder. It's that you're doing this because you got to keep up, okay? You have a fully tuned radar. Fully tuned radar. What time does this go till? 12.45? I think we're at 12. Okay, the disconnect. So I have a couple questions. And I'd like for us to run through these questions. Gen Z, you guys, appears hesitant to hold firm beliefs on moral or religious issues. Why do you think that is? Yes, up top. Okay. Nobody wants to be judged by the other people, so we all just kind of stay quiet. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're making ourselves more comfortable. Yeah, you two get one go first and then the other one. Whoever's more humble. Okay, we'll be here all day. Somebody. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, really, really good. So basically, um, everybody's got thin skin, and there's this mob mentality where if you step out of line, you're questioned greatly for why you stepped out of line. Yes, go ahead. People fear man rather than God. Wow. Excellent, excellent point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, so you're saying that we throw doubt into the picture a lot, and we really doubt ourselves, yes. We're just inundated by so much, and then how much do we actually dive deeply into each thing that we're actually reading, right? Somebody else, Ruben, you? Excellent. Excellent. Anybody else? Really quick. No? Wonderful. Okay. These are excellent, excellent points. Some of the points that I mentioned was, and it was already shared, right? Fear of being perceived as being judgmental or unloving or intolerant. Okay? The huge word of tolerance, right? And we're going to get into that in question three. Our natural desire to be liked by everybody. 
right? That's true. Like, I want to be liked by everybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable or, you know, that awkward tension. You know what I mean? It's just like, ooh, that's kind of weird. Um, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 1 to 6, right? Every non-Christians, man, they'll, they'll throw that verse out there. Judge not, man. Don't judge. You're not supposed to judge. Really. We're not supposed to make decisions according to the truth. Let's finish off Matthew 7, 1 to 6. And the reason for not judging is for a self-righteous motive. Absolutely there is no judgment there because you're going to be judged by the same law. Okay. What are the cultural factors that make it hard for you to discuss or make moral and religious claims? So we talked about this a little bit, but what are some cultural factors that make it hard? So think about culture. Yeah, Claudia. Okay. Yep. So nobody wants to get deeper. It's very shallow, very shallow. Uh, yes. Okay. So it's about the feeling. Yep. Yeah, we just want good feelings. Yep. Yep. Dude, and you're disagreeing with their party. So if you don't agree, so he, say, he, he mentioned that, uh, you know, our identity now is kind of like been very, uh, it's political. And if you start disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with what I believe in, in my politics, you disagree with my party, so on and so forth. Very good. Anybody else? Yes, up top. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's an interesting uh, study if you look at uh, feminism versus femininity. Um, very interesting. Yes? Okay, okay. So it's a, it's a pretty so-called, if we will, maybe we can agree that it's pretty like low-key, kind of chill, cool culture right now. Like there's not many issues going on. Anybody else? So what I found out about this, it's obviously, statistically, it's the, it's, it's the most diverse culture to date. Okay, so when we start looking at cultural factors that makes it hard to discuss moral or religious choices, that's because it's the most diverse culture to date. There's a lot of different religions that are being pushed or, or together or melted together like a melting pot. Um, for instance, in the United States, right? Almost nobody has a biblical worldview. The basics of truth. Nobody has this. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. More Christian claims are becoming illegal or borderline unlawful. Whether it's homosexuality, abortion, um, you name it. Those seem to be the two big ones right now. Um, what is tolerance? What's tolerance mean? I mean, this word, right? Like, it, uh, it's been discussed a lot over the past five years, I would say. What's tolerance or to be tolerant? Long-suffering? Okay. What do you mean by that? You're bearing somebody else? Okay. Anybody else? Yeah? Long-suffering, uh, yeah, long-suffering is a characteristic of love. Yeah, what, okay, let's, maybe we can go back to tolerance. Go ahead. You got something else? When you're tolerating someone, you're being long-suffering. So you're saying you're putting up with maybe their ideas, their philosophies, um, and you're not bashing them down? Okay. Because long-suffering is patience, right? And yes, uh, go ahead. Okay. So acceptance. So tolerance is saying acceptance. Anybody else? Yes, uh, Mitchell. To withstand. So maybe to put up with. Do you have to agree with the person? Do you have to agree with the person? No? 
Extending to others the right to be wrong. The act of allowing something you may not agree with. But what's interesting is tolerance is not respect. Would you rather be tolerated or be respected? Respected, how come? Yeah, oops. It's a part of your identity. You care about them. Or you, you would rather be, you would rather be uh, respected because there's, there's emotions there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so again, there's a, there's a deeper, deeper level here. There's a little bit, it, there's, there's emotion, there's care, there's regard. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you respect them because, but why do you respect them? Yes. Do you love them? Yes. So there's this affection there, right? Very, very good. Okay, so we see that tolerance is not respect. And I want to keep going here um, for the sake of time. So the next question I want to ask, I didn't put this down, and for the 18, 19-year-olds, bear with me a little bit because we talked about this this week. What's a, what's a, um, we, we mentioned a little bit before on the slide previous, what's a biblical worldview? What's a biblical worldview? What's a worldview? For those of you who had me as a teacher, I've talked about this in a couple different classes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Amazing. Perfect. A so a worldview is the way in which you view reality. Everything around you, whether it's politics, whether it's um, uh, knowledge or, or learning, whether it's uh, different studies, whether it's what you see um, out there, whether it's the laws of uh, the constants that we have, whether it's physics, you view things through a certain lens. And a biblical worldview is viewing things through the lens of Scripture. Take a wild guess at how many of your generation has a biblical worldview. Yeah. Okay. So what percentage, what percentage of your generation would have a biblical worldview? What do you think? Like number-wise, what percent? Don't know? Yeah. You're in my class. Four, okay, let me switch the side. Sorry, everybody, for putting your hands up. Okay. Four percent. So, what's it mean to have a biblical worldview? What's it mean to have a biblical worldview? You believe in God Almighty, Yahweh, the self-existent one. You believe that he created the world in six literal days. You believe that there was a worldwide flood because of the wickedness on the earth and that God saved eight people, one including Noah, you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You believe that he is the great I am. You believe there is a heaven, and there also is a hell. You believe that Jesus will be returning as judge, according to Revelation. This is a biblical worldview. And in your generation, 4% have it. We mentioned a little bit earlier about a paradigm that we're living in or that truth might be, you know, relative to this paradigm that we're in. I want to briefly talk about this very, very, um, not too quickly, but I I'm not getting into all the stuff up there. We're not going to get into the other worldviews. Um, we're just going to focus on postmodernism, and I'm sure you've all heard about it. So, reality. Reality must be interpreted through our language and cultural paradigm. Therefore, reality is socially constructed. Okay, this is socially constructed. Man, humans are nodes in this cultural reality. They are a product of their social setting. The idea that people are autonomous and free is a myth. Truth. 
Truths are mental constructs meaningful to individuals within a particular cultural paradigm. That which is how they view reality. So within this paradigm, we can see that these are mental constructs that are meaningful to only the individuals within this paradigm right now. What's happening right now? Truth is relative to one's culture. Values. Values are part of our social paradigms as well. Tolerance, freedom, expression, inclusion, and refusal to claim to have the answers are the only universal values. This is the culture in which we live. Now, this part's not only for your generation specifically. This is for mine. This is for the baby boomers, the Gen X. This is the setting or the culture of the world at large right now. Is this concerning to you? Is this concerning to you? Yes or no? Yes. Why? Why? Or does it not really matter? Yeah, Claudia. How much more are we going to decline? Where is the world going to head? What are the values or the truths going to be in this world? This is the setting or the great concern that we are in right now. And even more so, what is going to be the stance of Christianity? If 4% of this generation has a biblical worldview, what about all the other Christians in this generation? Because according to those previous slides, I forget what they were, but Christianity, what was it? Was that 20%, I think, if I go back? So then what about all the other ones? There's a concern. So, the deceptive, socially acceptable, cool Christianity, also known as the Christian hipster. Anybody hear about that before? The Christian hipster? Crazy. So, I'm going to read a little bit here. Our church is an example of a new way of articulating something in a way that people can understand. For one thing, the dress code is casual. For another, the church looks a lot like a nightclub. That's because it is one. It's a rock and roll venue, Carl Lentz says. So the look of the church is natural. That, that's a natural look. It's a mixture of being a celebration and an encounter. And most people in New York feel most comfortable in a nightclub anyway, so why not? On occasion, the church promotes beer summits to bring believers together. To bring believers together, not unbelievers. Believers. Len says, maybe a bar at someone's house. There's different ways. A church is a way for people to go out, not just come in. There's something else that I, after I, I made this uh, a slide. I was reading another article by Carl Lentz. He was on the Oprah Winfrey show and they were hugging and stuff and everything. Um, and then he goes on and, and he says, you know, like, um, Jesus, we, we really focus on love. We focus on love. You've heard that before, right? Hey, we focus on love, man. Jesus loved. He loved the sinner. Did he? Absolutely he did. And he still does. And he said, well, you know, Jesus rarely, rarely focused on morality. Wait a second. What's the Sermon on the Mount? When Jesus says, if you lust after a woman, you commit adultery in your heart. When he says not to lie, steal, cheat, 
Where did morality come from? Jesus didn't focus on morality. Brandon Robertson felt called to Christian ministry at age 12. He was, a, he was street preaching a year later. Ho! At age 15, he created a podcast and later a radio show in his college years where he interviewed well-known evangelicals. Somewhere during that time, he began thinking about his sexuality and publicly came out as a bisexual last year. Sexuality is a fluid thing for me, he explained. Although his calling and his sexuality might seem a contradiction to some, the 4%, Robertson has blended the two. He's now the lead pastor of Mission Gathering Church, a church he describes as like a typical evangelical church, but we are unashamedly progressive on LGBTQ issues. should probably take a read at Romans 1 and also 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 regarding the morality of man. The big thing is, well, hey, he would say, Jesus, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. He never talked about that. Well, guess what? Jesus never talked about pedophilia either. So what's our stance on that? But what Jesus did talk about is he said that from the beginning of time, God created male and female, and he created marriage to be a holy matrimony between a male and a female for how long? For life. Whether we recognize it or not, so, so this was a, oh, who is this article by? I forget. Um, I have it in my references. Whether we recognize it or not, my generation has an unconscious tendency to want to be in the world and of it too. Take a read of Romans 12. As I talked with a friend not long ago, the leaders of a branch of churches came up. My friend proclaimed the leaders of this church as cool. He said, see, if you hang around them after services, they'll all go out and have a beer. These guys swear more than most people I know. So, oh, <laughs> I, I had to put this in. Hey, fashion pastor, gospel men don't wear spanks. We wear dignity, compassion, love, the armor of God, <laughs> and righteous beards. That was funny to me. Anyways, definition of cool. How do you define cool? Anyway. Oh, sorry, a what? Ooh, you went to the scientific definition right away. Okay, that's good, that's good. We're getting there. How, how do you define cool? Yeah. Someone who you admire. Okay, what else? Anybody? Someone you admire? Oh, sorry. In the in crowd, the popular, those who are noticed maybe. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Is, is that your buddy sitting next to you? Oh, okay. You got a good friend there, man. Okay. Let's take a look at this. To be hip. To be nonchalant. Relaxed. Chill might be another word. I don't know what the other verbiage for your generation is because that changes over time. Which, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But to be hip, to be nonchalant. Somebody read that. Somebody read that with a nice loud voice. You're trouble every side. You're not distressed. You're not This was Apostle Paul talking, and he was sharing through 2 Corinthians 4 the difficulty or the joy of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're, we're hurt, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. And what do we do? We always bear about the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ, the humility or the obedience to the Father of Jesus Christ. 
keep moving on for the sake of time. Cool. Fashionable. You're the in crowd. You're the admirable one. Attractive. Something that's attractive. Something that looks good. Something that I want. Somebody read James 4. Here James goes and hits it home to these believers. And he says, you adulteresses or adulterers, spiritual adulterers. He said, don't you know that friendship of the world is enmity, meaning is an enemy of God? Those will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And we struggle with this lust. Now, here's a scientific definition. You can probably take a wild guess at where I'm going with that. Moderately cold, lacking in warmth, become or cause to become less hot. Somebody else read that. Thank you. Thank you. So John, the revelator, is speaking of the church of Laodicea. And he said, you're not cold, you're not hot, you're lukewarm. Go look up lukewarm. You're cool. You're cool. You're a cool Christian. We have allowed the world around us to dim our heat so that we will not burn them. Can't burn them. Got to be tolerant. Can't burn them. The gospel. The gospel is good news for fallen humanity regarding the reconciliation back to God through Christ uh, Jesus Christ. It is how sins are forgiven and about living a sanctified life for the master that they may sound, that may not sound very stylish or fashionable, but it most definitely is not a message suitable for the social fads or culture of the day. But our Lord did not commission his disciples to proclaim a palatable message that would be molded and massaged every generation. The mission of the church is not to win the world's approval. This is not the mission of the church. Jesus never said that we're going to win the world's approval. But what he did say is that we must become fools. How would you define foolishness? How would you define being a fool? Yes. Not thinking? Go ahead and use some words that, that you would use, maybe not in a forum setting. Idiot. Dumb. What's that? Sorry, I can't hear you. Sorry? Somebody said something? Stupid. Why did it take so long to say that again? <laughs> Stupid, dumb, idiot. To follow the Lord Jesus Christ, one must become a fool. The Greek word for fool is like you guys already said. An idiot, a blockhead, a dunce, an imbecile, a moron, a simpleton. That's a fool. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25 says this. Please listen carefully. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. 
Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Look at the polar opposites here. Look at the extremes. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness, the idiocy, the blockhead, the dunce. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, foolishness. To those who were wise, it was foolish. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let me tell you something. It's not cool in the eyes of this world to be a Christian. It's not cool to be a strong Christian. It's not cool to follow after Jesus Christ. It's not cool to preach about Jesus Christ. It's not cool to have a biblical worldview. And it's certainly not cool to believe that the Bible is in fact the word of God. To have a biblical worldview. This is not cool. It's not cool. So, what's the cost? What is this cost? You know, we went around, and I just did this really quickly for the sake of time, right? I went around to some of you and asked what you wanted to be when you grow up. I can't stress to you guys the great potential you all have. You have so much potential. There are some that want to get into speech therapy, we even heard. We're some that want to get into construction. There's some here that study health, nursing, biochemistry, biotechnology, engineering, math, or physics. The potential knowledge is great. You have so much potential to impact this world that you live in. So much potential. We got people in this room that make instruments for crying out loud. There's so much potential in here. You go on mission trips, or you have the potential to. Youth group positions. You guys, in our own denomination, we got choirs and fundraisers. We got a thing called camp that we all go to. We, got, we can invite others to church, go and share the gospel. The excitement to know God, to know who he is so that we can proclaim him. Go out and evangelize. Go be a worker for the kingdom. The potential is great. But that potential can be used for good or it can be used for bad. So, the cost factor. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to cost you. It's not going to be easy. In fact, Scripture says it will cost you popularity. You will lose friends. It's a guarantee. Promotion. You will not get that promotion. You are going to suffer persecution. It's not an easy life. It's not an easy life to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's going to cost you other relationships. It's going to cost you pain. It's going to cost you abandonment. I want you to take a second and look at all of those that are written. Think about our Lord. Think about Jesus Christ. He didn't even have a rock, it says, to put his head on. So, I pulled up some articles 
of what real Christianity looks like. Not Christianity that we see in North America. Real Christianity. Chinese Christians flee China amid crackdown on church. It's no longer safe for us. So if anybody's following the news, any right-wing news, you see um, there's persecution in China right now. They're being taken down. They've got house churches that have been there for I don't know how long, and uh, the government's coming in, shutting them down, putting them in prison, throwing them in jail. It's there. Chinese Christians jailed for faith. They memorize the Bible because guards can't take what's hidden in your heart. You guys memorize the Bible? The story was, and I couldn't show it in class, I wish I, I, wish I could, but there was a group of people that traveled 1,300 miles. They went into this room without air conditioning. They were sitting on the floor, and the guy asked them, everybody flipped to 1 Peter. There were seven Bibles, and there was 20 few people in the room. The Christians started handing out the Bibles. Yeah, you take it, you take it. No, you don't need it? No. Why? Because I memorized the Bible. Oh, you memorized the Bible? When did you do that? When I was in jail. What were you in jail for? I was persecuted as a Christian. So I took the word and I memorized it. You want to know why? Because they can't take what's hidden in your heart. That's why. So there was a pastor, Andrew Brunson, that was uh, held hostage in Turkey. Read a little bit here. I don't think that we're prepared for what's coming, he says, especially the next generation. I fear that many of us are complacent and we're unaware. And this means that the people in our churches are going to be blindsided by what comes. You're the ones as pastors and leaders of churches who have the task of preparing the next generation. Pastor said it on the news. It was broadcasted to millions. And he said the next generation's not ready. Why? Because they're not being taught the word of God and the importance of the gospel. Colorado Christian Cake Shop, you guys might know about it, the ones from Colorado, but this is big. Colorado Christian Cake Shop sued the third time for discrimination about the whole gay thing and making a cake for whatever. And he says, eh, it's not my beliefs. I'm not doing it. Sued the third time. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, it's not like, oh, you know, we're just going to be Christians and we're going to tolerate everything and we're going to live in the world and be of it too. You'll have to discipline yourself. You're going to have to say no to temptation. You're going to have to say no to this world. Ephesians 5.11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You're going to be willing, you better be willing to stand for Christ even if you're not the, uh, even if you're the only one. Imagine that, you being the only Christian in this room right now, and a college lecturer is going to share something on whatever, and he asks you out, out of 200 people, suffer persecution. Again, it's real. So, what now? What are you going to do now? Said it. You sang it. The world's broken. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is 
Is he worthy? So the Lion of Judah, God who manifested in the flesh, who came down and shed his blood for your and my sin, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Say it. He is. Say it. He is. He is worthy. He is Lord. And he's your Savior and he's mine. And we live in a world that is in utter chaos. We live in a world that accepts sin and is destroying the word of God. The first institution that God gave his people was what? Marriage. Marriage is destroyed. And what is marriage? It's the example of Christ and the church. 
And to be what? To be spotless for the marriage supper. Is he worthy? Reuben, is he worthy? Yes. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Then go live it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, holy, righteous God, our minds are filled with the wickedness that we have committed. Why? Because we've seen your holiness. We've seen your righteousness. We've seen your sovereignty and your love and compassion. And we see we are nothing. We know even as the prophet says, our righteousness is as filthy rags in your sight. And we go about living our lives singing that you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. And we commit sin and we fall into sin and we fall short. And we stomp on Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We pray, O oh Lord, may you fill us with conviction. May you drive us to seek your face. May we look to you, Lord Jesus, as the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, endure the cross, but is now sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, will you move us and will you challenge us to go? Will you challenge us, those who are believers, to go in our churches? Those who have families, to go to our children? Those who are lost, to go to the cross of Jesus Christ? For you are worthy. Amen.